here's the basic idea. Everywhere Jesus went, he surprised people, and today we're celebrating the big surprise. Uh, a few weeks ago, I confessed, uh, well, I don't know, uh, I'm a closet, head-banging, heavy metal rock fan. Now, you cannot tell it by looking at me. You can't even tell it by looking at me if I'm at a concert, because I do all of my head-banging internally. You probably will see a smile on my face, which is, you know, that's it. I told somebody that recently, and they said, really? I never would have confessed Good. That's, what it, that's, a, that's, that's a good thing about being undercover heavy metal, head-banging rocker. Nobody knows what's going on inside your head. Uh, well, I also want to come clean about another musician that I uh, enjoy listening to. He is not a heavy metal rock singer. However, you might recognize his voice. Uh, I, I would love to you want to hear the rest of the song? Stay afterwards and ask for a book to play the rest of it for you. Now, some of you know what you'd be surprised to find out. I'm a Johnny Cash fan. I like Johnny Cash. Uh, I really do. I have for a very long time. And so some of you are thinking, I never saw that coming. You tell this one week he's a heavy metal rock band headbanger, and then this week he goes, Hey, I like Johnny Cash. I was tempted to dress in black today. I settled, I just settled for the sweater, okay? Uh, that's, when, when Jesus walked the dusty lanes in Israel, the people who thought they knew him the best, the ones who lived with him 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for three years, were constantly surprised and confused. The people who followed him around and thought they had it figured out and were always disagreeing with him, even were constantly scratching their heads because he surprised them. His life is recorded in Mark's Gospel, which he sums up in a single sentence, very close to what, what uh, Nikki was saying. When Jesus looks at him, he goes, not like you were expecting, eh? And the closing verses of Mark's record of Jesus' life is in the 16th chapter. His closing verses of his record of Jesus' life document his ultimate no one, no one expected what happened on that Sunday 2,000 years ago. No one, even though he had told them over and over and over again, when we get to Jerusalem, they're going to kill me, and I'm going to rise again on the third day. He told them over and over again, and they just didn't quit. And so it tells us, Chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. You can look at it, the Bibles in the in the graph there, the blue Bibles, in pages 10 and 10, or you can follow along here on the screen, or using the version app on your phone device. Uh, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, by the way, that's just another way of saying mother of Jesus. James was Jesus' brother. So his mother, Mary Magdalene, so that they might go to anoint Jesus' life. But why did they go out to the tomb? Did they go out there to welcome him? No, they weren't expecting him. Sometimes, you know, we've heard this story so many times, we just assume they went out there to find him. 
probably did go out there to find him, but they thought they were going out there to find the dead body. See, on on uh, on Friday, at the end of the day, Jesus died and was buried in a hurry on late on Friday afternoon. They couldn't do all the things that they had intended to do and all the things they normally did according to tradition to prepare his body for burial. So the ladies had gone out when the Sabbath was over. That Sabbath was over on Sunday evening. Saturday. Excuse me. Thank you. I've been in. I've been I've been raised in church so long I forgot when the real Sabbath was. Okay, I'm sorry. Saturday, Sunday evening they went out, or Saturday evening they You know what I'm trying to say? They went out and bought spices. They went out and bought spices to anoint Jesus' body to finish the process. Very early on the first day of the week, last Sunday, uh, very early on Sunday morning, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? They went out to the tomb to finish the burial presentation. And the one question on their mind was, who's going to move the stone? Who will roll the stone away? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. Well, that is Somebody's already done it. And they entered the tomb and they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. Surprise! The stone is gone and the tomb is empty except for this is a man dressed in a white robe. That's code to be, uh, an angel. You notice, oh, I'm sorry, this is a freebie. He didn't say, notice that there was a young man with wings sitting there. That's not what it said. He looked like a young man dressed in a white robe. Except that when you looked at him, you were alarmed. The angel talked to the women, and they were scared and confused. The course of human history took a drastic, astonishing turn that Sunday morning, 2,000 years ago. Here's what the angel said. Don't be alarmed. I always find that amusing. Every time an angel shows up and scares somebody half to death, he says, Well, be afraid. It's okay. It's okay. Why are you here? You're scary. Which is one of those reasons I'm not particularly fond of those little those, you know, babies, you know, in a diaper with a bow and arrow. Stupid babies. I don't know about you, but I need angels that are big and scary. Because, well, I get scared, and I'd like to think that there's somebody there helping me out. Don't be alarmed, the angel said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. He is risen. He's not here. There's no grave that can hold him down. And then, as trembling and bewildered, the women went out and they fled from the tomb. 
but he said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Well, we know that that didn't last long uh, because they didn't stay quiet. Jesus, the whole reason we know about Jesus, his life, his, his words, his deeds, his miracles, the things that he did, the signs and the miracles, the suffering that he went through, and his death, all of these things, the only reason we know about his life and death is because he was raised on that Sunday morning. Thousands of people were crucified by the Romans 2,000 years ago. There were two others who crucified with Jesus, and we only know the name of one. Jesus. We don't know the other two. We don't know their story. If Jesus had not been raised, we would have known nothing about him. That all this is known to us because he rose from the dead. So what about us? And how does Jesus' empty tomb link to our lives 2,000 years ago? Stop preaching and start meddling. In case you don't know the, the, the story behind that, there was a preacher who was talking about how he should have committed adultery, and one of the deacons was going, Hey, preacher, come on, come on, come on. You know, you're not supposed to lie. Yeah, I'm going to And then the pastor said, uh, You're not supposed to steal your neighbor's chicken. It got real quiet, nothing. And he goes, Well, brother, why aren't you agreeing with me? He says, well, you were preaching, but now you're going to meddling. Finally, you're telling them not to lie and them not to cheat on their lives, but when you start telling me I can't steal chicken, we got a problem. Okay, I'm about to start meddling. You've been warned. But have you ever noticed, have you ever thought about how much time you and I and every other human being I've ever met, how much time we spend trying to avoid pain? And we live in a broken, painful world. It's unavoidable, but we spend an awful lot of time doing it. Trying to avoid pain, denying it, escaping it, reducing it, or postponing it in some way, shape, or form. I mean, some of us try to avoid pain by eating or not eating. Others try to postpone it by getting drunk, smoking pot, or abusing other kinds of medications. But some try to escape through sports, traveling, or jumping in and out of relationships. Uh, others withdraw into a hole or build a protective wall of religious activities around themselves. And still others become angry, abusive, critical, and judgmental. We'll try almost anything to control our pain. And if it works at all, or if we do it more, then it'll, be, it'll do a better job next time. Probably not. The, the, the real pain comes when, when we realize we can't control anything. We are not in control. No matter how hard we try, we're not in control. And all of our efforts to control pain, to just deny it, to postpone it. And, and all of those things that we've done, we've created ungodly and healthy methods uh, of handling life. 
not one of us is un- untainted. And, and because of our universal tendency to decide, want to decide what's wrong and what's right for us, we've all hurt ourselves. We've been hurt. And we've hurt others. It's as if, it's as if we all exist in our own tombs, sealed by the heavy stones of our wounds, worries, and weaknesses. And so as we come to Easter, it's an appropriate time for us to ask the question, who will move the stones that have entombed me in my wounds, my worries? Jesus walked out of the grave, you can walk out of your tomb too. Since Jesus walked out of the grave, you can walk out of your tomb too. So I'm gonna, I want us to personalize that. Since Jesus walked out of his grave, I can walk out of my tomb too. I'm going to invite you to read that with me out loud, please. Since Jesus walked out of his grave, I can walk out of my tomb too. There is no wound, there is no weakness, there's no worry that can entomb you behind a stone that Jesus can't move. There ain't no grave that holds you down. Well, what am I talking about? Let me, let me talk about wounds. Wounds, wounds are those things that, that happen to us that hurt us. They, they, well, sometimes other people hurt us. And, and from and also, we get wounds from those times when, whether we intended to or not, we hurt uh, ourselves and others. We, under wounds, you can you throw in abuse, physical beatings, insults, molestation, threats of violence. I mean, the list can go on and on. Abuse is one of the ways we wound ourselves and wound each other. And flowing out of that is shame. This is, shame is a false guilt. That's generated by the lies of abusers and accusers that say something like this It's all your fault. If you hadn't done me, then I wouldn't hurt you. Now, I'm a sarcastic person. I'm going to tell you what my response to that is. It's very similar to what happened when my mom said that people started in China that loved you to broccoli. I said, put it in a box, we'll mail it. Okay? If someone says to me, it's, it's all your fault, if you hadn't done X, Y, Z, then I wouldn't have hurt you, my response is something like this. Well, if I have that much control over your life, here's what I want. Don't hurt me ever again. Oh, so it's not my fault. You're a jerk. Oh, okay. I'm sorry for that. Okay, sounds sarcastic. It's cynical sometimes, and so not, that's not an easy thing for anybody to say. But saying is that based on that lie, that somehow the things that hurt you are your fault.
stuff in the body yard. I'm just going to leave it there. But there's also real guilt. There's real guilt. It's true, honest guilt that's generated by the realization that and that guilt is only relieved by Jesus' love and His grace. Now, these ones, believe me, the list is not exhaustive. These ones, many are like large stones that they clean up for many of us, seem like an impossibility. Who's going to move the stone of my wounds? But I want you to know that since Jesus walked out of the grave, you can walk out of the tomb too. There's no wound or weakness that can be seen behind the stone of Jesus' wounds. We all have worries of some sort, fears. Some, some of us will fear uh, further abuse. Some of us feel failure. This is a, this is a, some people fear success. Because the more successful you are, the more people expect of you. There's some of us that say to people, we're beginning to know the real person that we are, and then we jacking them because we don't somehow measure up. A lot of people have anxieties that they deal with. You know, how we just spend a lot of time thinking about how can I prevent being hurt again? How can I make sure that nothing bad ever happens to me again? And some of us wonder how can we keep up appearances? How can we make sure everybody thinks we got it all together? How can we make things mean financially, emotionally, physically? How, how can we keep my family and friends happy? These worries and many more like them are like large stones that include us. And they screen us. Seems like an impossibility, an impossible dream. But since Jesus walked out of the grave, you can walk out of this room too. There really is no need, no worry, no weakness that can see you behind the stone of Jesus' Weaknesses. We don't want to talk about this. We're Americans. We don't have weaknesses. Yeah, okay. Well, we're going to do it anyway. Like I said, we're going to do some meddling. We have habits. There's temptations that seem absolutely irresistible to us. There are ingrained responses to people and problems. There are things that we do that actually give us no trouble. Some of us have addictions. We, 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 can, we can be addicted to so many different things. Adrenaline, sex, food, booze, the praise of other people. We can be, we can be addicted to work, to porn, to approval. We can be addicted to drugs. Anything and everything that will numb up our pain for a little while. All of these things that we turn to that numb our pain, they work once or twice. 
but then it's not as good. And so we go for more. See, surely, if, if a little bit helps, a little bit more will help. You know? But, yeah, that's part of the problem. We, it, it just it loses its appeal. It loses its power. You know, whatever it is, it begins to you become an adrenaline junkie. You know, I, I, I will never, I shouldn't say that, I will, I, I will, I can't foresee myself ever jumping out of an airplane, even with a parachute. I'm not addicted to adrenaline. I prefer not to have one of those weapons. Especially if you have to jump out of an airplane. Or even worse, those guys who jump off a cliff with those little suits with wings. A lot of us have also we have weaknesses in terms of our attitude. We have, we have, there's a sense of bitterness and unforgiveness. We have if we focus only on our needs and we we, we have anger and just a slow burning malice going on inside. All kinds of weaknesses and all of these weaknesses and there are a whole lot more of them as you are probably well aware. These weaknesses are really like large stones that block us in and, and entomb us and make freedom seem like an impossible thing, but there's Jesus walked out of the tomb 2,000 years ago. There is not a stone, there is not a need, a weakness, a worry that can keep you free by keeping you in From your perspective, your, your wounds may and impossible. Your worries may seem unyielding and inescapable. Your weaknesses may seem unmovable and unavoidable, but don't believe the lie. Your tombs might be sealed to stones you can't move. But since Jesus walked out of the grave, you can walk out of your tomb too. You see, the wounds and worries and weaknesses that have been interfering with your life and keeping you from enjoying those, those freedom and those joy of life that you, you know you should be having. These things did not happen or develop overnight. And it is not. I'm just telling you this right up front. It makes sense to believe that they're not going to simply disappear. Jesus can move the stone. But then you have to walk out of the tomb. Leave the wounds, the worries, and the weakness behind. No, that's not good. It's going to take time. These things can't be changed in a simple snap of a finger. You, you will discover that, that you have to rely on Jesus' power, not just to move the stone, but to help you pick it up. There's no wound or worry or weakness that can entomb you behind eternal Jesus' Christian. I've been thinking about this recently. Who wouldn't want hope in place of despair? But 
Who doesn't long for freedom in place of feelings of bondage? Don't we all long for courage in place of fear and peace in place of anxiety? Wouldn't you want to feel loved in place of guilt and shame?
following you until I see all the fruit of 